Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone Podcast, featuring Jaguars.com senior writer John Osher and Jaguars executive producer Dave DeCandis. Dave, I think before we get into the guest today, I'm still sort of intrigued, as I think everybody is, by the, the quarantine or the isolation or whatever. I keep hearing from people that, quote, things are getting back to normal, unquote. I don't really feel that. Uh, I went to Burrito Gallery. Uh, we live in Springfield, went over to the Riverside uh, Burrito Gallery with my son and my wife the other night. We went, and it was still at 25%. And I felt like I was in The Walking Dead at the beginning when you feel like you're looking around and, and the world is changing and everything's sort of silent and you look over and there's some bodies over on, I mean, that, that feeling of not, of everything feeling odd and quiet and all that, that still felt like that to me. I didn't have been, have you guys been out at all? I know you've got two young kids. What's your impression of that? Yeah, no, we haven't done like gone out and eat or anything. Uh, I mean, we've still done Publix. I've gone to the hardware store a couple times. Uh, but like my big thing is still when I go out, like it's almost like uh, it's like this half second of panic you get is like, is like, oh, that guy's too close to me. Oh, that guy, oh, what's going on here? Oh, what did I touch? Did I touch, did I touch everything that's okay? Like I still kind of get like, and then it's about a half second and then it's like, okay, stop worrying. Everything's fine. Just go about your business. I don't do a lot of sh- – this will surprise you. I don't do a lot of shopping during normal times because, frankly, Sherry doesn't trust me to do very much on my own, so she would prefer to go do it. But during this, when I've been home, she's still working in, in the office, so she has a much more set schedule than I do. So I've been going to Publix and Walmart. The, the terror that I feel, if I pick up a Bright House smoothie, right, for example, and it's not the flavor I want. I'm so scared to put it back. I'm like looking around and making sure that like the thought police aren't aren't swarming in on me. I'm not going to say that I haven't bought a few things that I really don't want just because I'm scared to put it back. It, <laughs> That's funny. It, but and I get I'm not making light of it. I get that the people who who are very concerned, you know, there's legitimate concern and I just don't quite know how to act yet. So I don't quite, you know, I'm not trying to make light of people who are concerned. People who pick things up and put them back. I just don't know what the rules are. Right. Yeah. And, and, and every, and the funny part is like, everyone has different rules. Right. And, and it's, and then it's funny, like people get mad on both sides that break that they feel like break the rules. And it's when you go out and if you go out of public at all, like there is no winning. You can't like, like the entire time when I'm out or doing something um, now, the whole time I'm thinking like, Oh, should I touch that? Am I getting too close? Am I, or hold on, maybe, maybe it's okay. Well, maybe this person's weirded out by this. And the whole time I'm just thinking like about, about the most simplest act that I've done a million times in the past is now, right. Now in my head, I think about uh, constantly <laughs> the entire time you're, you're actually doing it. Um, I think, and we haven't gone out and done the restaurant thing. Part of that is we have two little kids. Sure. And, and it's hard to tell a four-year-old, hey, not to touch something or don't go over right. there or like yeah, keep your distance from people. Rules. Right. She's, she doesn't care about the rules. So that's the main reason we haven't ventured out. Um, yeah. It, 
and it makes you wonder. Uh, like everybody who's listening to this knows, the Jaguars are scheduled to go back on the 26th of May, and it's a lighter thing. Uh, Dave and I won't be in that first group going back uh, probably a few weeks before we go back because the Jaguars are being smartly cautious. But all these things we're talking about have to be on, on, on steroids for the people making decisions about when teams go back. They're trying to balance, okay, we're going back. Let's figure out what this means for players, what this means for football. It's a heavy lift between now and, and, and July or whenever these target dates are. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't anticipate us being back in the office for a few weeks. And then when we are, it, 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 it's going to be a fascinating few months to see how life is, is really like for football players, for football coaches, for people around it, for the entire sports world. Yeah, and there is still a lot to be determined. And the one advantage the NFL has is there will be some sports back before they start. So there'll be a little bit of a, a test run or a guinea pig for, for the NFL. But even – um, you know, on our team meeting the other day, they were talking about things even as simple as, hey, there's only going to be certain directions you can go in the hallways to try to avoid, avoid so, you know, to keep social right. distance. And, right. you know, something even like, you know, walking to like to go get coffee is going to be different. Um, you know, we, John has his own little office, of course, because he's the senior writer. But where I work, we work in an office with six other people. And, uh, you know, that's not socially distant. So it'll be interesting what happens with that. It'll be interesting to see how we travel as a team, what that process is like, if what the airplane's like. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the players. If the players have to be quarantined. I mean, there is still so many things to be answered. And I don't think anyone has an idea. And and it seems like, like the NFL has to prepare for like 10 different scenarios that could possibly happen. And uh, so it's hard to kind of find where that's going to end up or even know. And this thing has been changing so fast, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I would think the fascinating story to watch is kind of obvious, but I'm sure they'll go into it with contingency plans. Plan A, plan B, and then down to plan, you know, H or whatever. I would anticipate this being a year where by November they'll have gone through all those and it will look unlike anything we can even imagine. And, and I, we may have said on the podcast last week, I think fans should be prepared for a, a, a very odd season that maybe doesn't look like anything that ever came before it or after in the last 50 years in the NFL. I could see, you know, who knows if games are going to be canceled, certain play, you know, it, and not all games, but a few games here and there not being able to get in or rescheduled, having games on Saturday afternoon, Thursday, you know, who knows? I, that's not inside information. That's just trying to figure this out. But it, it just seems like this could be one where the NFL, above any other sport, is about routine, schedule. You know when things are going to happen. It's, it, since I was pre-consciousness, games have been on at 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, lately 8 o'clock on, on Sunday night. You knew what your Monday schedule was. 53 players, guys are, are deactivated half an hour before the game, all that stuff. A lot of those things could feel very much fly by the seat of the pants, much more than the NFL is ever used to. It is a routine game, and this is not a routine season. So uh, who knows? It, it's 
it's going to be fascinating. But I guess that brings us now in a roundabout way to our uh, to our guest this week. And it's a guy that I have been fascinated by since he joined the Jaguars. He joined the Jaguars in a weird situation, replacing a very popular player, a very effective player with a position group, the Jaguars secondary, when he, when this person came in in 2018, was a very tight-knit group. He came in and was fitting in with the likes of Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, uh, Barry Church, Deshaun Gibson, very, very powerful dynamic. Now, lo and behold, he's the last guy left, and he's a guy who I think is playing as well at his position in the last couple of years as any player in the Jaguars' defense, maybe any nickelback in the NFL, hard to imagine a guy outplaying this guy. It's uh, DJ Hayden, a cornerback for the Jaguars. DJ, first of all, you know, I've been doing this uh, 24 years covering the NFL. Obviously, this is a completely different kind of offseason. What is it like from a player's perspective? Is it, is it dramatically different yet? Are you feeling that yet? Just from a football sense, how different is this? Uh, it's, it's very, very different because around this time and when we start in OTAs, we like we with our team right now. Um, I think like the rookies do just be coming in and everybody kind of getting acquainted with each other. But us not doing that, it's just we kind of losing out on just a chance to kind of build that team chemistry because it, it be every team really has a new team every year. And uh, but that OTA period, it kind of help you kind of get acquainted like back in the defense back in just the whole routine of football, you know what I mean? So with us not having that right now, it's just like everybody's like kind of on their own unless they're like with guys in the other cities or whatever. But um, sure. very, very, I mean, it's it's a little challenging, but it's just um, it's just something that we have to deal with. So. Now you've been doing this a long time. So obviously you, I'm sure, have the experience to know how to get yourself ready even though you're not around the structure? It's kind of tough because, like, you got to think about it. Like, um, like when OTAs come, we have, like, rookie mini camps and whatever. So the rookies, some some rookies, that'd be, like, their chance to, like, kind of make a squad. You know what I mean? Because some schools, they might take a rookie that they brought just for um, for the rookie and from the rookie mini camp. So, like, some guys are kind of losing a little opportunities. But, um, I mean – if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. It's kind of, it's just, it's kind of tough though, because the rookies they don't really know like if we go straight into training camp, we just gonna be going straight into training camp. So, I mean, it's just gonna be having to play like a little catch up, but it's nothing. I'm pretty sure they can't handle it. Now, to me, you're a pro's pro. You don't play in this league in as many different situations as you do if you don't know how to prepare. Obviously, you know how to prepare and get yourself ready. Um, are you doing anything, I guess, uh, special or different right now to deal with doing it vir virtually or just doing what you usually do? Or how would you put that? Um, like we're doing like our virtual meetings. So like I'll put I'll put aside like maybe an hour or two a day just to kind of go back to the defense on my own. Just just remembering the cause and everything. And uh, but I just do workouts, man. I mean, it would, it would be nothing different that I wasn't doing, but it's just it's just extending my workouts. Just I'm just doing all my home workouts, and uh, I'll go to the field as, as well and just, just work on my craft a little bit, just, just staying safe, just always be ready. 
So yeah, part of what we like to do in this is get to know the person we're talking to a little bit. And I'll be honest, I wasn't completely familiar with your entire story of how you got here. I think everybody sort of knew what happened at Houston uh, senior year. But this has not been an easy road for you. Your path has been difficult. Or do you see it that way? Uh, I would say it was a rough, it was definitely a rough journey with a lot of adversity up ahead. But right. you know, I just kind of peeled, I kind of fought my way through it, you know. Because uh, coming out of high school, like I didn't have no offers. I had to graduate like a whole like year later. And it was like crazy. It was basically like, um, I just I just didn't take care of my business when I was younger. So basically, I ended up playing at a prep school. Right. For high school. Then from there, I had to go to junior college. Then from junior college, I went to U of H. And just that whole little process, it just, just taught me, man, better late than never. You know, right. just always... Just always grinding, man. Just take care of your business, man. You're going to have to do it anyway. So you might as well just knock it out early. For Jaguars fans who don't know, and I was amazed by it. I know you've talked about it before. But the injury you had at Houston was about as scary an injury as I've ever seen been around. I know you've talked about it before in the media, maybe tired of talking about it. But from your perspective, uh, how frightening was that? It was very frightening. I mean, I tore my infant in the Vena Cave, but that's just the main thing that pumped blood into your heart. And uh, right. usually it never happened on the full off. Never happens really on the full off field, but you know, in my case, it happened. You know, I'm actually me and another teammate. We ran into each other. I got I got hit in the chest, and uh, it kind of ruptured the vein, so I was bleeding internally. They really didn't know what I was what was wrong with me. I just couldn't see anything. Like I was losing blood internally, so rushed me to the hospital. Took me to emergency surgery, and the doctor was just like, "We just gonna have to just open you up and." And figure I was wrong. So yeah, they cut me open from like my neck all the way past my belly button, and, uh, and yeah, sewed me back together. <laughs> and I, I've seen a couple of stories uh, just uh, from you talking about it a little bit. And the first time you played again after that, it was a very emotional experience because you were so thankful to be on the field. Um. I'm wondering if that still stays with you, that feeling of, I guess, uh, understanding how fortunate you are. I'm just thankful to be breathing right now, you know. Yeah, my first time playing back, it was emotional because I didn't even think I was going to make it to that point. But I did, and I was truly blessed, truly thankful. But, um, you know, the story's not over. We just got to keep moving forward. <laughs> just learn from the past. And... Uh, Keep, keep going, keep swinging. And amazingly enough, you came back, you're at the combine, or at your pro day, you had to miss the combine. And then mm -hmm. you strain your hamstring at the pro day. Yep. At some point, at that point, are you thinking, man, can I get a break? I mean, no, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking like that. I was just like, damn, I wish I would have, I don't know, stretched better or something, but maybe <laughs> – no, I was I was mad at myself because I couldn't even finish the workout. But you know, right, everything else still worked out well. So, well, take me through um, this Jaguars team is dramatically different, obviously, than the one you signed with two years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, are are you ever amazed 
and how quickly the NFL changed. I'm not amazed anymore because I kind of got used to it. But yeah, we got a damn near whole damn near new team from when I first started. <laughs> and I mean, that's just the nature of the game, man. Guys, they move guys in and out. And that's just how it is. But uh, with the guys that we have now, I believe that we uh, we, we have the chance to do something special. You know, if we put all the work in and, and gel together, I think it, the sky's the limit for this team. We just gotta, uh, we just gotta make it happen, man. Just take advantage of all our opportunities and make the best of them. Yeah, I was looking at it, and it's striking. I think only like three or four guys on defense have been around as long as you, and you've been been around three years, which is, which is, I think Miles, Unique, you know, a few guys, Avery, but yeah. you're. You're the veteran of the bunch in age and in tenure with the team, which is quick for three years. Does that yeah. uh, change how you approach things, I guess, is the question. Uh, yeah, I feel like this past year I kind of had to step up a little more to be more of a vocal leader. And, uh, but, yeah, they're going to count on my leadership this season. And uh, I'm excited for it, man. I'm ready, man. I'm ready to get in there and work, man. I'm excited, man. We're going to have some young guys there. We draft to the corner first round. So, uh, C.J. Henderson, so he's going to be in the mix. So I'm just ready to just get to work, man. Get back, uh, get back these football juices flowing. What is it you like about the guys you're playing with back there? They're all willing to like work and learn, man. Don't nobody think they uh, better than the group. We just, we just out there grinding, trying to get it. And then they all young guys, so they all hungry. Cause they really, uh, a lot of these guys are still like anywhere from first to third to fourth year players. So they still young. They're still young, hungry, ready to eat. And uh, I'm just excited, man. I'm excited to watch these guys make plays. One thing I've been fascinated by with the league over the last seven or eight years is, is how the position you play has evolved, meaning 10, 15 years ago, the nickelback was, it seems, a different position than it is now. I think it's much more important now than it ever has been. And it always strikes me that you can play cornerback just being a cornerback. But you have to be a football player to play nickel, meaning the experience, the vision. Uh, do you see it that way at all? Uh, I feel like you got to have your football. You got to have a football IQ because you're basically in the box like a linebacker, but you're playing DB. So you got to cover a lot. Most of the time you're covering the guys on the slot, so they don't really have a sideline to use. You got you got to deal with linemen. You got to deal with pullers. You got to do all types of stuff. But, um, I mean, it's football, though. I mean, it's just a part of it. Uh, it's just it's kind of like the dirty jobs, but it's it's fun, though. You get to blitz, you get a lot of tackles and stuff. So, it's fun. I love it. Now, you've always been a blitzer. I've, I was reading something in college, or especially when you were coming out, that that was a skill you always had. You always like doing yeah. that? Yeah, I like to blitz. I like I like get to, get to get sacks. <laughs> Why are you good at it? Is it just, is it just instinct? Is it just, I mean, is that yeah, a knowledge thing? I like thing? to do it. It's just fun. Like, I just like to just, just, because, you know, DBs really don't, we don't have to get too many chances to, like, get sacks and, like, rush. But, you know, playing nickel, you're going to get more chances than you would at corner. So, I just try to take advantage of it. That's all. I got you. A couple of quick questions I like to ask uh, about teammates, and you can and you sort of play them up. From your perspective, hardest worker on the team. Who's the guy that if you were telling a rookie, hey, watch this guy? 
on the team, I would say J-Dub in the secondary. I would tell rookies, like the rookie safeties, like watch J-Dub and how he approached the game. Is that just all around? I mean, time put in? Yeah, time put in. How to watch film, the whole thing? Weight room, just the, just the extra stuff you got to do to take care of your body because I think that was the biggest thing for me to learn is that just take care of my body like after the game. I didn't really start doing it until like my fourth year in the league. But now, like, you just just slow, just just get your routine. Whatever you like to do before the game, before practice, just find you some type of routine that you just do every day just to, you know, get better. Do you have a pregame routine? Anything that stands out? Any rituals, superstition, anything like that? For, like, the away games, I like to wear, like, some of the other team's colors and whatever I'm wearing to the bus. I don't know why. It's just weird, but I do that. <laughs> that was easy playing Oakland last year. You already had it. Yeah, this is black, though. You can put some black on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. When you were coming up, anybody you model your game after? Anybody you admired? Uh, I used to like uh, Pat, Patrick Peterson when I was in college. Okay. I used to watch him a lot. Um, you know, of course, like all the great ones, like Deion Sanders, Tim Bailey, Mies Williams. Um, just Sante Samuels, just watching all them guys, man, how they used to make plays. Charles Wilson. Gotcha. How they used to make plays and just go up and attack the ball, you know, all that good stuff. So you were a fan growing up. Some guys, some players have been around aren't, but it sounds like you followed it. Yeah, I grew up loving football. I've been playing football since I was six years old. So, I mean, like, this is what I love, man. I was, I was born to do this. And uh, I just acknowledge the great ones who came before me, you know. So just accept it. Go out there and try to make my plays. Best player you ever played with? When I was in junior college, we had this one running back. His name was Derek Hall. This this dude was, like, the best running back I've ever seen. Especially me coming in from, like, prep school to junior college. And right. I was seeing he was real great. He should have made it to the league, but he kind of, like, got in trouble and stuff. But, man, he was electric out there. But, I mean, it's unfortunate. You know, stuff happens. But I was like to ask guys, how many guys did you see like that coming up? I've always been told there's a million guys out there who could have played. It's just tough to stay on the track and stay in it. Yeah, it's, it's harder to get to this league. It's more than talent is my point. Yeah, it's more than talent, man. You got to keep your head on straight, man. You just can't be out there just just wilding out, man, you know. Because it's still a business, too, man. You got to conduct yourself like a business. Man. Some guys just don't get it. Like, some guys, all they have to do is just just keep their mouth shut, and then they would, they would do good just by being quiet. But once, you know, some guys open their mouth and they get to doing whatever, it's just – He's a bad name on them or they get in some type of situation sure. or whatever. But, man, it's so many. It's, I could say at least about 20 to 50 guys I play with who had the talent to be around there, but they just – just something happened along down, down the road. Did you always have an appreciation for that? Or did somebody ever pull you aside and say, hey, you've got a chance to make it, but here's what it's going to take? Uh, to be honest, not really. I was kind of more of a sleeper growing up. Like, people really didn't even – when people right. see me now, they're like, what? Like, how the hell did – what? <laughs> what the hell is going on? But 
because I was like always smaller than everybody. I didn't get the growth spurt till I was like my senior year. And it was just like, I was like, I've been like an underdog my whole life. I mean, yeah, some people probably t- told me that, but I didn't even, I wasn't really here. I had one, I had a thing on my mind. I had my own plan. And uh, I was, that's what I was going to. That's how I was sticking with. Like, I knew I was good enough. I just had to make plays just to show it, so. Final thoughts um, on the Jaguars this year. There's, if you look at all the predictions, all the predictions are that it's, it's going to be a tough season. Everybody saw what happened last year. What do you see in the team that you believe is going to go well? What gives you confidence going into this? I feel like it's a fresh start. And, uh, you know, it's going to be zero zero for the record book, but we can go in there and be the underdogs and just take over if you put the work in and, and everybody, you know, just buy in and just lock in and just take care of their business. I don't see why I, I see the sky the limit for this team. We, just, we can do good. We just got to do it, you know. Got the talent. Got the coaches. Just got to apply pressure on everybody. And players never care what outsiders think, do they? They not here on the field with us. So all your uncles and aunts and your cousins and your friends at work, your coworkers, talking all like, oh, they need to do this, they need to do that. Ain't none of them never played probably a lick of football. So, yeah, I really don't, I really don't care what they do. And now the Ozone 5 with DJ Hayes. The Ozone 5. Five. DJ what is your last binge watch? Um, the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. This isn't part of the five, but uh, MJ or LeBron, who you got? MJ. What's in your pockets when you leave the house? My wallet, my keys. <laughs> last station or song listened to in your car? The last song I listened to in my car was Jason Aldean, Nicky E. I like it. Last chore you did around the house? Uh, I washed clothes. That's good. <laughs> uh, and finally, your go-to takeout? Zoe's Kitchen. For sure, for sure. That's good stuff. Some steak kebabs with the rice and the little beans and potato, real potato salad. You'd be hidden. Well, DJ, I enjoyed it. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, I think the fans who are hearing this, I think they'll see a different side of you. I'm looking forward to that, and I appreciate you joining us very much. Man, no problem. I appreciate y'all having me. David, I think what's always interesting to me when I'm interviewing or talking to a veteran, he certainly fits this, is guys who stay in the league six or seven years usually aren't staying in just because of talent. They're staying in because they have learned how to be professionals. Here's a guy whose role has dramatically changed since he came into the league. He came in as a top outside corner, number 11 pick or number 12 pick in the draft. He has clearly, to me, learned how to be a pro over the years, switched positions, learned positions. I think nickelback is the hardest position on defense to play. He has figured out how to play it, how to bring linebacker traits, cornerback traits into this role. and has learned how to take his talent and be a very productive player. And he's now on his third team and he's found a home 
on his third team, which is pretty unusual in the NFL. He was, you know, Raiders first, then Lions. Usually by year six or seven, which DJ is going into year eight, I think, sort of played out and they're drifting around, going team to team. He's now a core guy on this defense. So a very fascinating story and a guy who is, uh, I think, really earned a long career in the NFL. And I respect that a lot. Yeah, I mean, even based on that injury he had in college, which is horrific, and he's able to come back from from it. Really, it's really says something about your uh, your personality. Uh, from what he talked about, I think he's talked about it a whole lot, and didn't. He doesn't really want to spend hours talking about it anymore. And I I understood that, but for people who don't know the story, the injury he had, doctors said afterward. It's very – you don't see injuries like that except in high-impact car collisions. And that's why it was it was very touch-and-go for a while, whether he would live or not, after it. Because I read one story, it's like a 95% uh, fatality rate when this happens because sometimes the attending physicians don't know what's going on. Well, 95% is a high number. So, I mean, it, it's, it's – uh, I get when people sort of move on from that, ready to let that go but uh fascinating uh life and career that dj hayden's had yeah and also is a great eight second soundbite in the locker room which he'll have two or three a year where it's just gold but what i want to get to about dj hayden is for his age he's a jordan guy not a lebron guy that's pretty surprising like me i'm a jordan guy all the way because i'm 35 years old and that was like prime sports viewing for me was michael jordan the last dance documentary has been unbelievable for me but uh, I was just surprised based on based on age because I mean he's he was probably a, you know a teenager when LeBron came in and that's right I'm sports viewing and uh, it would take some work for him to actually uh, see Jordan's career rather than LeBron's does that make right. sense and I think kids I say kids because a lot of the players we cover to me are kids kids see Jordan and they can't imagine that any player who played in the 90s would be as good as the guys they're seeing now because they see LeBron way that to me I was uh I was a huge Carolina fan when Jordan played there I started following him when he got there it was more because a friend of mine was a fan of theirs and then I watched Jordan as he came up didn't love him in the NBA the way I did at Carolina just because I was a big Seattle Supersonics fan. I followed my team rather than the player. But the dominance that Jordan had over the league and the one area that I don't think LeBron or anybody in the NBA now matches, maybe anybody in sports, was the feeling of inevitability when your team was playing the Bulls. And the Sonics team in 96, which was my team, Gary Payton, Sean Camp, Detlef Schramm, Percy Hawkins, the whole bunch. That was a great team. Watching it, there was a feeling on my part of Jordan's going to figure out a way to pull this out. It felt inevitable. That was a great Bulls team. It, it was the 72-win team, I think it was, 71 win. I would guess most fans of the Jazz, most fans of the teams they beat in the first three people, the Lakers, after they beat the Lakers in 91, I think, the, their first. My guess is most hardcore fans of teams that were playing them had the same feeling of 
inevitability of more, my team's great. I wish they were great in another era because he's going to win it somehow. And I, I'm not sure anybody else has ever matched that. All right. If you like the Ozone Podcast, subscribe on whatever podcast channels it is you listen to. Uh, thank you to Joe Fortunato for making this sound better than I am. Thanks to Dave Candace for making me sound better than I am. And uh, thanks to me for not being as good as I am. So uh, that'll do it for this week's Ozone Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>